I just want to say how proud I am of all you guys and how much I love you and just amazing to have you using all your wonderful gifts and skills tonight and just feel really blessed already and thank you for what Pete said and I didn't really know all the details of what Pete was going to say but I did feel that um, so much of what he was saying kind of worked in with what I was thinking and feeling as well. Right, I'm at a funny angle here. This isn't going to work, is it? <laughs> was that deliberate? <laughs> um, I don't know. Where do, we, where do we think? I've got a pen. I don't need a pen. not had one of these mics on before, I have to say, so it's all a bit, all a bit strange. Okay. <clears throat> so, right, I'm going to have to wear glasses as well, which I don't like wearing, so never mind. If we could have a verse up that I just wanted to focus on. I've been thinking about this verse. I can't even remember why I was reading this verse. But anyway, I was reading these few verses um, from Matthew 18, 1 to 4. No, still can't see. Just thought I'd try it. Um, (laughs) And um, I just, you know, Jesus says the most amazing things, doesn't he? I mean, the words of Jesus are just incredible. They're like no other statements that we can that we can read. They're unrivaled and quite often controversial as well. And, you know, I think we get a bit used to them and they wash over us. But when they do, when you do get, you know, just encounter some of those words and and really think about them, there's so much you can gain. I feel like something's tapping, but I'm not sure what it is. Is it me? What do I need to do? Nothing? Oh, it's my earrings. Ah, okay, we'll take the earrings out. Sorry about this, guys. Um... I needed a bit of a tutorial, didn't I, before I came up here? <laughs> what to wear, what not to wear. Okay, so Matthew, verse, Matthew 18, verses 1 to 4. says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to them and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So it was that, those words that really struck me, the words that say, uh, unless you, in my version I was reading, said, unless you are converted, unless you are changed to become like a little child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And um, the context is just, you know, the disciples um, are imagining that Jesus is going to set up his authority, his kingdom, his, you know, kind of reign um, in whatever form, but it was going to happen probably soon, and they were going to be a part of it, because after all, they were his friends, and they were the closest to him, and they knew how he did things. And so they were kind of having this conversation with him where they were like, you know, well, I wonder what role I'll have and I wonder what, you know, position I'll be given. And Jesus, don't forget about me. I'm really good at this. And, you know, you know, I think I would be better at that. And, oh, don't give him that role because, you know, they were kind of looking for their own importance. They were, they were self-seeking to find where they would rank and what their position would be in, you know, in terms of Jesus Jesus's kingdom and what he was going to do and Jesus just cuts the quick and just cuts right across he doesn't answer them he doesn't even answer them he just looks out into the crowd and sees maybe a little child a young child I think it says have that child brought to me I can't quite remember if it said that but 
whatever happens, he brings out this child. And we don't know whether this child was two, four, five, we don't know. But he brings his child out. And sometimes things, visual aids speak a lot louder and clearer than words, don't they? Um, but he, he brings his child, and his child is happy to come to Jesus, so I guess he's quite a nice guy, and children quite liked him, um, which I think we hear from other parts. Um, and this child comes to him, and he, he basically says, ah, ah, you've got it all wrong. You know, unless you become like this, like this little child here, you, you won't be able to kind of get into my kingdom, you know. You won't be able to understand the way I work and who I am. Um, and I was wondering about that. I was thinking, well, was it because in those days, you know, children were of no importance, really? You know, they're just like, you know, you have children, you've got to look after them, you need to raise them, um, but they're of no real significance or influence, and, you know, they're kind of helpless, really, aren't they? And they can't really do a lot themselves. I mean, they're completely dependent on you. And they're not able to defend themselves or promote themselves. So, you know, is he just saying, become the least in status, you know, become the least um, like this little child, be, be like a, a nobody or nothing? Um, or, but then I wondered, actually, you know, I mean, I guess he was saying that because he was saying you, you need to stop thinking about your own position and trying to, you know, kind of get the best spot. You need to become a child that doesn't have that choice, you know, that doesn't have, the, you know, isn't going to be in control of that. Um, but at the same time, were there things about that child, characteristics about that child that, that Jesus saw that he also wanted to draw attention to? Now, I get to work with children every day. I don't know how many other people here get to work with children, but I work with really, really young children. I work with, like, two-year-olds and three-year-olds and even, like, one-year-olds, um, I say you have to have nails like uh, n- n- nerves like steel <laughs> at times when you've got like three or four new babies come into the nursery and they all want their mother and they haven't got their mother they've got you you know and um, they're all crying and 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 they attach to you and and you know you're their lifeline and they are utterly utterly dependent on you but isn't it amazing that they would even come to me a stranger and, and trust me to look after them so every day I get this amazing experience of being with these with these little people all so unique and so different and so fascinating in their personalities and characters, but they all have some certain qualities and characters that, that, that I see in them day to day that are similar, and I think that we should take note of these. These children that I'm looking after, they are trusting me to look after them, you know. They're trusting me. Um, they're following me. They're looking up to me. Um, I get to see their, their hopes because they just let it all out, don't they, children? <laughs> you know, they don't give you a polished version of their emotions. They just give you their emotions, you know. Um, and that can be joy. Have you ever taught a, church, a very young child the word wow? Because that's quite an interesting experience, seeing a one-year-old find the word wow and then where they use it and how they use it, and that's quite fun. Um, I feel really secure when I'm with young children. I don't feel judged. I don't feel ranked. I feel accepted. Um, And I hope I offer that to them as well, obviously. Um, Now, you might be thinking, hang on a minute, the children I know, they're very egocentric. They're actually all concerned about themselves. I want, you know, I need. Um, And obviously that can be true as well, because without that, they wouldn't really survive, would they? But um, it's a necessity that they look after, that they're, you know, 
able to make their needs known. Um, and you might think, well, they're just lacking in self-control and all the rest of it. But those things might be there. But there's still something about children that Jesus is trying to point us out to us here, yeah? There's something about being like a child. He said, you've got to change and become like a child. And I don't think it's just like in order of society. Something about a child that is unique. And I also see it in young people as well. I think we begin to lose a bit of it as we get older. Um, you work for a couple of little scenarios of children. Sorry, they might be a little bit cute. <laughs> But it's Christmas. You can do cute things at Christmas, right? Um, so I won't name anybody, but there is this child, and he is a born leader. I mean, he will get three, you know, get four three-year-olds organized to play a game with rules. They will all look to him, follow the rules, and, you know, it gets more complicated. It's like, mm, no, you're out now. Mm, no, you know, this, that, and the other. He is literally a born leader. And yet, the other day when we're out in the, out in the sand pit, because I have to go out in the cold, I have to go out in the cold, and I'm not running around because I'm not a child, but I do run around a bit to keep warm. So I'm all wrapped up, and they're all running around and everything. <laughs> but sometimes it just gets really cold. And, and, and this one child who generally doesn't need much direction because he can direct himself was just stood next to me for ages and was, you know, looking around. And then I, I caught his gaze, and then he just transfixed his eyes on mine and just went like this and put his arms up to me. And I thought, oh, you know, so I picked him up and I put his cheeks against mine and his cheeks were really cold. I was like, oh, you're really cold. You need a hug. You're cold, you know. But there's something so beautiful about that. Cuteness aside, there was something so pure and beautiful about that that he would know me well enough to be able to look at me straight in the eyes and go, no words. He, had wo- he could have used words because he knows plenty of words, but he didn't. He just put his arms up. So that's one child. I've got another child who loves storytelling, and he loves me to read him stories. And um, he is just so affectionate. It's just so lovely. I sit down. He puts his arm around me. He pats me on the back. He strokes my hair. I'm not asking him to. It's literally pure affection. It is absolutely delightful. You know, I just think it's a beautiful thing. Um, <laughs> then we've got another child who's a, literally a bundle of joy. Her eyes are like saucers. She doesn't stop from the minute she gets into the nursery. She runs around the place like a mad thing. But then when she, if she sees me and I'm not moving, she will leap, literally launch into my arms, into my lap. You know, I have to be careful because I might get knocked out, get a tooth knocked out or something. But she is so trusting and she's so expressive. She freely expresses her joy and her trust in me. Um, and the one thing they all have in common, these children, whatever their personalities are, is that they're always asking for help. All the time. I mean, you know, shoes, hands, toileting, whatever it is. I'm constantly in, in demand, you know. I'm constantly, oh, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? Can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? You know? How often do we ask for help? So I do... Because I work with children, I read this verse through a certain lens, put it that way. So, what could Jesus be hinting at? Could there be something more? And I'm just, you know, I'm just throwing out some thoughts for you to agree or, 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 you know, take from it, whatever you want. But um, could it be that Jesus is trying to point the disciples towards saying, well, to really be great, in my arena, Jesus' you know, thing, what he's doing, which is called this kingdom, you know, 
to really, to really grow and flourish in it and to really make it in my area of influence, you're going to have to become a lot smaller and a lot weaker and a lot more dependent and a lot more of not very much on your own because you need help. You know, is Jesus saying that? Is he saying you need to become more affectionate and expressive and joyful, like a child that can't hold it back? Children, they just don't temper it. I love that about them. So as we move towards Christmas, because it's coming up to Christmas, I thought we could look a little bit at how we can see that in the plan that Jesus, God, designed for coming to earth, in this kingdom that he's launching, if you like, you can see humility written all over it. Humility is written into the thread of the story throughout the whole thing. So we first wanted to just focus on three characters. So we've got Mary. So Mary is this teenage girl who's just, as far as we know, just an ordinary girl, you know, like nothing particular about her. Um, But except for the fact that she got this visitation by this angel, you know, an absolute supernatural phenomenal thing happened to her, this massive angel, well, I don't know if it was massive, but this angel came and it was quite frightening, quite fearful for her. And Gabriel said to her, you know, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. You, you've, been, you've been called, you've been chosen to, um, to, to have God's son, to be part of God's plan for, for salvation. And um, she had a choice then, didn't she? She could have just thought, oh, no, 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 you've got the wrong person now, I really don't want to do that. Oh, please, choose somebody else, not me, I just don't want to do it. You know, she could have come up with so many reasons why, no, and she could have, but somehow, I don't know how she did it, by God's grace, she was actually open and trusting towards God, and she actually said, be to me as, as you say, be it to me as you say, let it be. She said, let it be. I, I, I'll do it. I, I'll take that on. I'll receive that. I will put aside my plans for my life that I was hoping for, a wonderful marriage with Joseph and all sorts of things that I had, you know, that I was looking forward to, working towards, because after all, it's my life and I want to do what I want to do. And I've got a plan and I want it to go well. She, she put aside that. and She sacrificed that. And she stepped into God's plans joyfully, joyfully accepting that plan for her life. She felt humbled to be chosen. So that's Mary. And then we've got the shepherds. Now the shepherds, they are bottom of the pile. They've got like no influence. They would represent the uneducated, scraping a a life for themselves in a job that's probably really hard work. It's probably really hard work now to be, obviously, in any kind of farming is literally 24-7. It's really, really hard work. And I don't expect they kind of had much of a life from it, but it was run-of-the-mill what they had to do. And yet it was those people that Jesus, uh, that God chose to put on this amazing, lavish explosion of sky display you know, with angels and trumpets and singing. I don't expect they'd ever gone to like a concert or a theatre production or, I mean, this was even, this was like amazing. This was absolute glory being shown to them that they were nobody and nothing. They 
had nothing to impress anybody, but God impressed them. He impressed himself upon them in his glory because they were humble. And then we've got the wise men, the kings. Now, they are a little bit of a different kettle of fish because they were intelligent, they were educated, they had wealth. They probably had quite a bit of prestige, you know, credibility. They, they had mobility because they came all the way from the east, wherever that was. And they had every reason to think well of themselves and to be self-sufficient and to be content because they had everything, didn't they, really? I mean, to be able to, you know, be an astronomer and read the stars and all of that. And yet they were looking for more. They did recognize that there was something greater and they were prepared to take that journey to find what the, this star you know, configuration was all about. And when they came to the point of actually finding this baby, they gave their wealth. They, they committed their wealth to this baby. This nobody, this baby that was just a baby as far as they were concerned. There was nobody, nothing, you know. They humbled themselves. So they didn't necessarily start off humble, but they humbled themselves. And they threw everything they had, their education, their intellect, their means, they threw it all into seeking after God. So what about us? I wonder which one of those different people we feel that we are a little bit like at times or even right now. It could be that we're a little bit like Mary. We're like really afraid of trusting, really scared. We think, no, I don't know why you're choosing me. But actually willing to, to go for it, willing to step out and lay aside our own plans for something greater. If there is something greater, we're up for it. Willing to follow, because she was really submissive. She was obedient. She followed the plan. She went to the right place to give birth. You know, she did, she did, she, her and Joseph, you know, they, they stepped together and they followed what God had for them. And do we have that sense of wonder that she had? Um, we know about this. We know what her heart was saying. We, she wasn't just an anonymous donor of the baby of Jesus, you know. <laughs> do you know what I mean? She wasn't just a body to, for Jesus to be born from. She she actually was part of the story and who she was is noted down. It says in Luke, um, Mary shared with Elizabeth and it says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. That's her. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She recognized that she had been scooped up into his plan and that that meant that she was the one that had been blessed. Not that she had, you know, had to put up with getting involved in God's plan and the sacrifices that that took, although that probably obviously did cost her a lot. But she was just in awe and gratitude to have been included. I don't know if we feel like Mary in any way. What about the shepherds? Maybe we feel a bit more like, well, do you know what? My life is pretty run-of-the-mill. I go to work, do my best. 
I'm not particularly, you know, excelling in intellect or skills. I've got nothing impressive to offer, but I do work hard and I do do my best at what I can do. But it's hard. Life is hard. And do you know what? Sometimes I feel stuck and I wish things were different and I wish I had a different life, different prospects. We might feel spiritually a bit clueless. I don't know if the shepherds had any idea what God was really like or that Jesus would come, that Saviour would come in that way, or whether it was a complete and utter shock and surprise to them. Maybe they didn't even exactly know when they even found the baby what was going on. But the point was that God saw them. And he saw them because they were humble and because they were unassuming. And because perhaps they were willing to know that and admit that. It says, um, Jesus said in the Beatitudes, didn't he, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And there's something so important about being able to admit your need, like a child does. It positions you to see God's kingdom at work when you're able to say, I'm not anything much, I don't have a lot, I don't understand much. Maybe you feel a bit like that. That's good news, isn't it? If you're able to say that. Uh, Maybe you feel a little bit more like, actually, I'm probably a bit more akin to the kings and the wise men, because actually I have got quite a lot at my disposal, which is great. If you've got money, you've got mobility, you've got, uh, you know, a good academic background, or you've got skills to offer, you've got a lot. You've got a lot to offer. A lot to commit to God's way in his kingdom, like the kings did. But there has to be that desire to seek him. There has to be that longing for something bigger. If they hadn't looked up and looked at the stars and looked beyond themselves and what they had, they might not have gone seeking for God. There has to be a point at which you get to the end of yourself and go in search of something bigger and better and greater and what you can do on your own. So maybe you are positioned to give a lot of, perhaps you could say, the kind of more human things, but you can still commit them to the Lord. So as we kind of draw this in a bit, um, I think becoming like a child kind of takes quite a big shift in our thinking because our culture says we need to be self-sufficient on the whole. And we do try to grow our children up to be independent. I'm not suggesting that they shouldn't become independent. Um, And I'm not suggesting that to be great in God's kingdom means we have to always be like, oh, I'm not very good at anything. I'm not, you know, I need God so much. And, you know, and, and to be kind of in a place where we, we're just putting ourselves down because that's not what God wanted either. But we have to become aware of society in general and the way that it does promote the self as the main engine of life, as in like being self-sufficient, being independent, and defining yourself by yourself. Like you define who you are and you go after what you want and you make those goals and you follow through with them through your own hard work and effort. That is the narrative generally, I feel, one of them in society. And people do tend, and I have experienced this, I have to say, 
I don't know if you have, but people do rank you more highly on certain things. Now, it could be um, your academic background, it could be your job, it could be the way you look or the way you present yourself. But you know, none of that is in God's kingdom. It's just not there. It's not in God's kingdom. And so we are, Jesus is calling us into a completely different way of life. And the people that God, if you like, rates, which I don't think is the right word actually, but what God is looking for and the doorway into his kingdom, what he's saying is he would love us to be more dependent on him, really depend on him. And to be more aware of our own weaknesses. And instead of beating ourselves up about having those weaknesses and trying to get over them quickly before anybody notices, is actually coming to him and asking for his help. Just really asking for his help. Really seeking him and saying, Lord, I need you so much. And not thinking that that's a weakness. So God's kingdom, I would like to suggest, is about extreme trust the kind of trust that Mary had to step out and do something absolutely ridiculous, you know, to, to, ex- to, to go with the plan that God has, not knowing what it would lead to, to submit to what God wants for us, and to just be joyful and thankful <laughs> as well, which... Um, it's hard sometimes because I think we all, I, I don't know about you, but I, I always imagine a more polished version of myself. Uh, I dream of being, you know, slightly different or even a lot different. Um, and I quite often have self-doubt and think I'm not doing as well as I could. There's always something else I could be doing or should be doing or could be that would be better. But in God, there is a real peace and a real freedom because it isn't about me. And isn't about us. And being able to be grateful for who you are and what, what he's done in your life is a real, really good way of being free and being part of his kingdom. Um, we all want to grow up. We all want to arrive, don't we? But I'm thinking now I've got to this age that I am, that maybe growing up, I think I'm running, you know, I just think it, maybe it doesn't actually happen. <laughs> maybe you don't actually grow up to be this amazing thing that you thought you're going to be. Um, Maybe what we're, what we actually need to be doing is growing, growing down. You know, what I mean, growing back, back, back to something that a child has that we've lost. Um, Jesus is inviting us to follow His lead, and of course, we know that He became nothing Himself, and He chose to become a child Himself. That's the very thing He chose was to become a child, tucked away in a little dirty stable somewhere where nobody really noticed, apart from a few select people that he called and drew. And through that doorway of humility, we see so much glory, don't we? So much purpose. We see strategy. We see success. Even the cross was the greatest success story of all time, wasn't it? Even though it's absolute weakness, total sacrifice, total abandonment and all those things. And yet, in God's kingdom, it became the most glorious and triumphant thing. 
think we can just maybe close our eyes, because I've said a lot, um, and maybe we can just be with the Lord right now and have a little think about the things that I've been mentioning. And um, I'll just reflect on that together and we can pray. Just spend a few minutes thinking over some of those things. Just as Jesus invites us now to become like a little child, I ask that the Holy Spirit will show us what that really means for us. Where we've aligned ourselves too much with the ways of this world, the ideology of status and influence or strength. Help us to put those things aside and to be willing to go deeper into trust and openness and dependency on you. To understand what you mean by us being dependent on you and us asking for help. Lord, show us the way of humility. Thank you that you chose a child to show your disciples who you were and what you were about. Help us to continue every day to walk through that doorway of humility into your kingdom, into your presence. Lord, we are not humble. I'm I'm not humble. But as I draw close to you, spend time with you, I pray that I'll become more like you. Thank you, Jesus, that you humbled yourself and that you gave up everything not just for one day or but for your life on earth just submitting yourself to becoming human and sacrificing so much Lord we are in awe of you and we want to be like children just throwing our arms up to you and freely expressing our worship to you And we want to be part of your strategic plans for your kingdom. Through weakness, through vulnerability, through trust, through risk-taking. Help us to see your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.